Good evening. I'm Dan Borman. It's an honor to be one of your elders here at URC. And the elder board has asked me to uh, talk on the topic of shepherding this evening, brief um, meditation. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. It's on page 1016, so 1016. And again, it's 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So, as we go through this text tonight, I'd like to really talk about three points. The first is, what does it mean to shepherd the flock? The second, how are the elders to shepherd? And third, what is the role of the sheep or the congregation? So first, what does it mean to shepherd the flock? So Priscilla and I were in Monterey, California a few weeks ago. And uh, it was north, if you've been in Northern California, we, were, we went over there. I went on business, a business trip. We uh, actually did some sightseeing in San Francisco, and then I went down. I, I did work for a week down in Monterey, and Priscilla and the kids, um, Paul and Lydia, were um, doing some sightseeing during that time. And it's really a beautiful part of the country, and, and uh, really blessed to be there for a week. We stayed in a little cottage, and every morning I woke up, you know, had a little prayer time, and actually went on a jog, a kind of half jog, half walk along the coast. If you know the Monterey Peninsula at all, it's a gorgeous part of the country. Um, and I get up every morning and I get out of the, you know, I, I go out of the cottage and I'd go jogging. And it's just absolutely stunning, you know, the rocks, um, the formations, the beautiful landscape. Um, there was just absolutely this beautiful lighthouse up on a hill. And it was like 50s and 60s, so it was a chill in the air. You're jogging and the seagulls are there. And, the waves are crashing against the rocks. It's absolutely gorgeous. And as I'm jogging, I'm thinking about this question. Um, this beautiful, you know, surroundings all around me, God's creation. I'm thinking, what does it mean to shepherd the flock? You know, wh what can I say in 10 minutes to a university reformed church uh, congregation that really knows God's word? They know the word of God. They, they study it. And um, I was thinking about all these different things. I was thinking about, you know, we lived in England for seven years. And there were sheep everywhere in England, right? Um, but in Northern California, not so much. So <laughs> looking around for sheep, there aren't any sheep there. I'm thinking about the commentaries, the, the, the different sermons I've heard on shepherding. But as I'm jogging, I kept thinking about Psalm 23. It kept coming back to me, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the God of all creation, the God who made all this gorgeous peninsula in the Monterey Pacific Grove area, the, the God of the Pacific Ocean who made the heavens, the stars, the oceans, the Grand Canyon, all the beautiful places you probably went for a summer vacation, um, Mackinac Island. This God is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. 
And if that's really true, what could we really want? So this is, I was, I was following along with David and thinking about this. And I just kept going further each day, each week. I, I'm, I'm reading through, um, and my soul is really moved um, as I'm, I'm jogging past um, uh, different people and, 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 and literally just literally almost yelling, the Lord is my shepherd. And I went on and I, and I, and I thought through this more and I, and I researched, what does he mean when he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures? What does that mean? What does shepherding look like? I started to research uh, sheep behaviors. Did you know that it's very hard to get sheep to lie down? Expert shepherds say that it's almost impossible to get a sheep to lie down without four things. Number one, owing to timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free from all fear. Because of the social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when they're free of these pests can they relax. And lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free of hunger. So does this sound like us? Sounds like me. <laughs> Anxieties, wants, hunger, irritations, fears. The Bible says we are like sheep. Going further, Psalm 23, 2 says, He leads me beside quiet waters. My daughter Catherine went to Moody Bible Institute, and she had a professor who actually went over to Israel and lived with shepherds for several months. And he learned all about shepherds and what it means to shepherd. And one of the things he learned uh, in that process was that sheep will not drink from running water. If it's, if it's, if it's uh, a, a river that's moving really fast, they especially will not drink. So what, what do the shepherds have to do? They have to actually pond the water in streams so that the sheep will come up and drink the still water. And this is in the desert, so it's, you know, this, these sheep are, I mean, it's thirsty, right? This is life sustenance. So the, um, the still water is, is essential for their life. Psalm 23.3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep have excellent peripheral vision and can even see behind themselves without turning their heads, 180. However, they have poor depth perception. They cannot see immediately in front of their noses. If you've been to Israel where David wrote this, you know that the, there are steep cliffs where many sheep live. Oftentimes, the sheep go through very tight paths when they, where they could fall and they can hurt themselves. So how do they make it through? They know the shepherd's voice. Even when full of fear, the sheep will walk through narrow passages if they hear the comforting voice of the shepherd. In John 10, 11 to 15, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own these sheep, see the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So first and foremost, Jesus is the good shepherd who meets all of, he meets all of our physical, emotional, and spiritual needs, as identified in Psalm 23. And I'm not going to go through the rest of Psalm 23. But his sheep know his voice, and they follow him. He alone can restore our souls and lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Our shepherding role recognizes that Christ is the model. Jesus, Jesus' model uh, models a servant leadership who lays down his life. As we heard by the outstanding uh, sermon this morning by Dr. Gallagher, he washed the disciples' feet and told them to do likewise for others. Moving on to point two, how are the elders to shepherd? 
as background, remember that Jesus had previously told Peter something earlier. In John 21, Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. And each time Peter said, you know I love you. Jesus responded, feed my sheep, tend to my lambs, feed the flock. So now we come to 1 Peter 5, and Peter, calling himself a fellow elder, exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, just as Jesus directed him. How should they do this? Verses 2 and 3 tell us. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The shepherd is to humbly, eagerly, kindly, gently lead the flock with character. Matthew Henry says this about these verses. How different the spirit and behavior of Peter was from that of his pretended successors. He does not command a domineer or domineer, but exhort. It was the peculiar honor of Peter and a few more to be the witness of Christ's sufferings, but it is the privilege of all true Christians to be partakers of the glory that shall be revealed. The pastor's duty described and the manner in which that duty ought to be performed are threefold. Number one, to feed the flock by preaching to them the sincere word of God and ruling them according to such directions and discipline as the word of God prescribes, both which are implied in this expression. Number two, the pastor of the church must take the oversight thereof. The elders are exhorted to do the office of bishops, as the word signifies, by personal care and vigilance over all the flock committed to their charge. And third, they must be examples to the flock and practice the holiness, self-denial, mortification, and all other Christian duties which they preach and recommend to people, to their people. While Jesus is our chief shepherd, our senior pastor is also our respected shepherd that leads the other shepherds and the entire congregation here at URC. In practical terms, he leads the past, other pastors, the staff, the elder meetings, deacons, deaconesses, the ministries, worship, prayer life, and much more with the help and the grace of God. Now, certainly we have other people doing these as well, but he oversees the whole thing. We've been very blessed to have godly men lead this church for more than 50 years. My personal experience at URC over this past eight years was with Kevin DeYoung as our senior pastor. We all know about Kevin's biblically focused, gospel-centered preaching. Our family came to this church because of the Christ-centered exposition of God's word. Kevin's many books, his speaking in global conferences, blogging, and activities with groups like Together for the Gospel are well-known all over America. But some of the traits that are less known about Kevin are known to the brothers and sisters sitting here right now. Kevin walked the talk and was a godly example to each of us. Priscilla and I were very blessed to be part of the same growth group with Kevin and Tricia for seven years. And I'd like to share one episode that illustrates how Kevin was a godly example to me personally. One Tuesday night, this is back about five, we're trying to decide, five or six years ago, um, there was a pizza party uh, with a growth group in Grand Ledge. And it was at the Clucks house. So Priscilla and I were driving over to the Clucks for this pizza party, um, which we typically did on the third uh, Tuesday of the month we would have these in our growth group. And as we're driving, I was commenting to Priscilla that, you know, our growth group was not very good 
about fairly distributing the cost of pizza at these events. You know, we've done this in the past. We weren't very good about it. And I was a little bit upset. I was the youngest of seven kids. My dad was a Lutheran pastor. I grew up in a family. Fairness was very important to us. You know, the bowls all got set out, and everybody had to have the right amount of cereal in the bowl. I mean, it was very fair. So I'm in the, into the fairness, and I was describing to Priscilla what I wanted to say to Kevin to make sure that the distribution of the, of the money was, was done right within the growth group. She gave me some funny looks and, uh, you know, some, some blank stares, and uh, I wouldn't say that, Dan, kind of thing. But we kind of agreed, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to say when, when we, get to the, we get to the growth group. So we get in. As I'm walking in, I'd literally taken my coat off. I'm walking towards, you know, their, their hallway, the Buck's house. And uh, before I could even say anything, Kev, Kevin comes up and says, Dan, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, okay. So he said, let's, let's, let's go over here in, in privacy. So we go over to the corner of the room. And Kevin says, Dan, I think you and I should pay for the entire pizza tonight. And I'm like, I said, Okay, why is that? And, you know, he says, uh, well, several of the families are, are struggling a little bit financially right now, and I really think this is the right thing. It's about $30 each. I think we can cover it. And I, I said, sure, sounds good, Kevin. You know? <laughs> um, so I just went along and smiled and just kind of went along, you know, inside kind of churning, you know. And I remember getting home that night saying, God has got a great sense of humor. And, um, but I was really convicted. And over the next several months, and actually I became an elder my first term for three years, I saw, got a chance to see Kevin close up. And, and his generosity, the amount of money that he gave, not just to the church, and gave back to the church, even with his books and everything, but also just to lots and lots of families. My point is this, he walked the talk. And he, he didn't talk about that publicly. I mean, obviously he preached about tithing and other types of things like that. But it was, for me personally, even as an elder, was very convicting and very much a great example for me. I thank God for that. Third and finally, what is the role of the sheep? 1 Peter 5 says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But you know, it's often hard for us to be humble and teachable and subject to anyone, including our elders at church. Like sheep, we often don't see what is best for us. Just as parents speak into the lives of their children, we need godly leaders to walk in front and beside and behind us to help us in our journey. We need a senior pastor who cares and is an example for all the flock, including the URC leaders and staff. I was not asking for a lesson that day when I thought the cost of the pizza was unfair. But thank God that my brother and shepherd was there to show me a better way. What are some practical ways that each of us can support our shepherds? We can listen, pay attention to the needs, and joyfully volunteer when opportunities to serve come up. We can pray for leadership in the search committee, specific ministries and the needs of the URC. We can volunteer our time and financial resources as we are truly giving to the Lord. We can also encourage and say kind words to our leaders, offering them our support in words and in actions. Ultimately, the role of the shepherd is to point to, listen to, and follow our chief shepherd, Jesus, and serving this flock that belongs to Jesus Christ. By the grace of God, it's about helping to find any lost sheep and being the Lord's hand and feet to bring them back to the flock. This is his church, and we are his Christ stewards. 
It is an added blessing and joy when the sheep are actively participating with a positive attitude in the process. I want to close um, with this. Where will this take us? I want to close by reading just 1 Peter 5, verse 4, one more time. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Christ knows all. God bless you. Amen.